Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. Today is a personal tribute to my mother, the woman who gave me birth. We were separated for 48 years because she gave me up for adoption when I was three and we were reunited for the last four years of her life. Today is part one of her eulogy. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. Today we're paying honor to my biological mother, Mrs. Donna Hale, who passed away at the age of 74. Here is now part one of the eulogy I gave. This is a two-part series. If you wanna hear the rest of the story, find it online or tune in again tomorrow at PrayInJesusName.org. Hallelujah. God bless you in Jesus' name. Mother wanted this to be a celebration of life. And, and Jesus said, um, when one sinner comes to faith, all the angels are celebrating and rejoicing. How much more are they rejoicing in heaven with her now that she is resurrected and standing in the presence of God? Amen? My name is Dr. Gordon Klingenschmidt. I am a former elected official. I'm a legislator from the state of Colorado. Uh, I earned my PhD in theology, and I taught Bible and theology at the university level in Colorado Christian University. I'm also a 20-year veteran of our armed forces, uh, former Navy chaplain, and I love God, and I, I pray in Jesus' name. You'll learn that about me. Uh, I now host a national TV show, Pray in Jesus' Name. It's on eight networks and 200 million homes. I, I say all this to say something different, and that is I am a small man, and I am standing on the shoulders of giants. And Donna Hale, my mother, was one of those giants. And her reward in heaven might be, because of her sacrifice and the pain she went through, uh, I got all the gravy, but she did all the, the labor. Can I explain that a little bit? My story tonight is about the Father Heart of God. Did you know orphans are God's favorite people? And I'm going to share a scripture. It's coming up here, also from Romans 8. Those are the angels. They're celebrating... And, and they're singing already. We can hear what it sounds like in heaven. As we put up Romans 8, uh, 15 and 16, the story I'm going to tell is about two people, Donna and Gordon. Each of us were orphaned in some way at age three. Each of us were born twice. I'll explain that. And each of us were adopted twice. I'll explain that. And here's what the scripture says. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And you know what the cure is for being an orphan? Adoption is the cure for being an orphan. 
because it puts you in a relationship, in my case, with new parents, but in our case, with the Father who wants to adopt you and wants to adopt each of us into his family. Donna Hale was born on December 2nd, 1948, and she was the oldest daughter, in fact, the only daughter of Don Krieger and Helen Smolinski Krieger. Think about what was happening in 1948. Her father was a veteran. Uh, he ran a, a business. And sadly, his wife, my grandmother, Helen Smolinski Krieger, died in 1951 when Donna was three years old. Can you imagine? She doesn't even have a memory of her mother, and maybe she's meeting her now and catching up in heaven, right, for the first time. But she, with no mother, she was semi-orphaned. But you think about the culture in 1951. Her father was a working man, and there was no such thing as a stay-at-home dad in those days. And with no mother in the home, he literally had to hand her off to the grandparents. Now, he was still her father, right? But in, in a sense, her grandparents adopted her and raised her. Not legally, but, but for all intents and purposes, she was practically adopted and grew up with her in her grandparents' home. Can you imagine um, the heartache she felt at that separation, losing her mother at such a young age? But God was her father, and God adopted her. Even when her mother was gone, even when her father was working, God became her father at three years old. That was the first time she was adopted. I'll tell you the second time in a few minutes. She was raised in the Catholic Church. She and I have many things in common, uh, one of them being, she confessed to me she was not a very good Catholic. <laughs> she, she attended Catholic schools, but she would sneak out of the schools and avoid Mass and go home for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with her grandmother. <laughs> she was not too interested in all that. But in her body, she struggled with rheumatoid arthritis. From a very young age, it's unusual, but can you imagine all the pain that she had physically? And she didn't see religion as the answer to her pain. She didn't see the ritual. She didn't enjoy all of that. Instead, as a young girl, as a teenager, she was into art, and she was gifted. One of these pictures here was she drew this maybe in her teens or early 20s, and, and someone commented this could be you know, hung in a museum because it's so, so detailed. The, the gift that she had, um, she was admitted, because of her skills in art, to the Fashion Institute in New York City. She had a future. She had a calling. And she had gifts and abilities, and they recognized that. And, you know, a teenage girl rejecting her religion a little bit, she also wanted to have a lot of fun. And so she went to Crystal Beach, and she met some boys over there. And at age 19, she found herself pregnant and not married. Well, now she's faced with a difficult choice. 
do I keep my child and give up my art career, or do I go to the Fashion Institute and have a career instead of motherhood? Do you know what she chose? She chose to be a mother, and she gave up her, her scholarship to New York's Fashion Institute. She told me, you know, it's not because I was Catholic, it's not because I was particularly pro-life, I didn't get into the politics of it, but I knew there was a baby inside of me. And she just knew that she had to protect me. She went to her boyfriend at the time. He rejected her, didn't want anything to do with that. She went to her parents. Uh, by, by now, my grandfather had remarried, and they did not want to have her in the home. So she was, uh, they loved her, but didn't have the bandwidth they didn't have the room, and, and now there's a baby coming. So she turned to the Catholic Church. And at that time, uh, even today, you remember Father Baker's ministry in downtown Buffalo, right? For orphans and pregnant girls. And she was received, and I was born in Our Lady of Victory Catholic Hospital. Our Lady of Victory. Think about that. The Virgin Mary has victory over even our indiscretions and brings life out of the darkness. So she was pregnant, and she told me once, it was Christmas of 1967 when she was carrying me in her womb. She hadn't even told anybody, but she came out of a church service at the, the nearby Catholic church here in North Tonawanda, and she began to pray and ask God for wisdom. And it began to snow when she was walking home from the church, and she felt inspired that God would take care of us. God would adopt not just me, but would adopt her. And he would be the father to her son. He would be the husband to her that she did not have. I was born on June 5th, 1968. This is the same day in the newspapers. Picture the, the condition of America in the 1960s. There was civil rights demonstrations. There was the drug culture. There was the free love generation. And I was born the same day that Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in California. Now, I don't believe in reincarnation. But... Somebody said, this could explain my career in politics. <laughs> right? The nuns took us in, and after I was born, unfortunately, they didn't have the resources to continue serving uh, a woman and a newborn son, so they referred us to county services. And Niagara County Services gave her public housing. And we her Aunt Joan came in and said, I'll help you. We'll figure out the welfare applications. She applied for all that. Aunt Diane became my first babysitter. And she's sitting right here in the, in the front row. And family did help, but the welfare system gave her public housing, and my first three years of my life were spent with Donna living in the projects, right here in North Tonawanda. Well... She enrolled in Niagara Community College for art instead of the Fashion Institute, but there was no income from that kind of um, talent. And she was eventually pressured by county services 
to, have you considered giving Gordon up for adoption? They're, we're, they're running tight. They can't continue to pay for both of us. And she was looking around the neighborhood, the hood, right, in the projects. There are six-year-old boys, 10-year-old boys. Our neighbors were troublemakers, and she saw my future. They didn't have a father, and I didn't have a father. And she's wondering in her mind, is Gordon going to turn out the way that I would, the way I would hope him to have a great future? And she concluded, no. What's best for Gordon, she asked. And for the second time, she sacrificed not just her career in art or fashion, but this time she sacrificed motherhood itself. It was my third birthday in 1971, and I don't remember this, but the story is told, that she took me to Niagara Falls. And here is an art piece that she later drew of Niagara Falls. And it's one of her best works. And she hung it in her living room. I want to say because she thought of me sometimes when she would look at that. And she remembers this day. June 5, 1971, I turned three years old. She took me to Niagara Falls to say goodbye. She didn't tell her family. She made the decision to give me up for adoption. And we had this little conversation. Donna was 22. I was three newly three, and she says to me at Niagara Falls, Gordon, I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is I'm not going to be your mommy anymore. I'm going to give you up for adoption. And she probably cried, and I was upset. I didn't know what this means. What's adoption? I don't know what that means. But the good news is, Gordon, you're going to have a daddy because you're going to have a new mommy and a new daddy, and you're going to grow up in a family that has better care for you than I am able to give. And this little three-year-old boy perked up and got really excited. And I said, really? I'm going to have a daddy? Sign me up for that. I want that. <laughs> and she said, I gave my consent. And she gave me over to foster care, and I never saw her again. Well, until 48 years later, we'll get to that story. So I was in foster care for four months, and I was, now I had no father, but also no mother. Bouncing around the foster system, I was truly an orphan. But God adopted me, and God was my father. Amen? The Bible says in James 1, 27, Pure religion is to look after orphans and widows. And did you know now our ministry in Colorado Springs, we care for and we feed almost a 1,000 orphans and children in India. Every day or every weekend, we are caring for the orphans because I was an orphan. Donna was a semi-orphan, right? And now we have that vision to pay it forward and to care for the next generation. We care for the poor. Thank God, though, I was adopted not just by God, by God as my father, but Carl and Joanne Klingenschmidt of Akron, New York, adopted me, and my sister Julie is here today. And she was eight years old, and I was three years old, and Carl and Joanne took me into their home with Julie, who was natural born to them, but I was adopted and given every opportunity in life. I feel like I won the lottery I ended up with such great parents. They raised us on a 30-acre farm, 
And, and we had horses and cows and pigs and sheep and chickens and ducks and cats and dogs. And we took our animals to the fair. We were engaged in 4-H. We had every opportunity in life. And I also, like my mother, was raised in the Catholic Church. I was baptized again. I was confirmed. But just like my mother, I was not a good Catholic. <laughs> I was a drunk and a womanizer, and I used coarse language, and I uh, disobeyed my parents. But because my father taught me calculus, I had really good grades, and I got into the Air Force Academy for some military training. Now that's enough to straighten out a young wayward boy from Buffalo. I was appointed by my congressman, Jack Kemp, and he sent me to the Air Force Academy. But even there, I was a troublemaker. Donna uh, and I had something in common. We were both Catholic, but religion to us was an empty ritual. We didn't know God as our father. I knew Carl and Joanne as my father and mother. I was adopted by them. But I didn't know God with the love that was in my heart, the way that I didn't know Jesus in my heart, and neither did Donna. At that time, this was um, when she gave me up in 1971, she became depressed. She was looking for solace in her self-doubt. Did I do the right thing? I'm so alone. I don't have a husband. Now Gordon is gone. My family is probably mad about this. Um, she doesn't know how it's going to turn out. But the records of New York State were sealed. We could no longer learn each other's last names or identities. So honestly, Donna, trying to drown her pain, she confesses to me later that she went to bars and she began smoking and drinking. And the good news is, that's how she met her husband, John Hill. <laughs> they met in a bar. Can you believe it? But she, she was not convinced yet to trust men. She had gotten burned in her previous relationship. So she dropped out of college and went to California. She heard the hippie movement out there was all the rage, and she wanted to see what that was all about. And John, God bless her, John Hill followed her to California. Donna, looking for something, didn't know what to experience. She actually had a dream upon arriving in California about demons chasing her and Jesus rescuing her. And she took this dream to a friend of hers and said, I have the interpretation. You're supposed to get saved. She's like, well, I don't know what that means. They took her to a Bible study. She was 28 years old, and now... Donna Hill was born the second time. She became a born-again Christian. And we get that phrase from Jesus' words in John 3. Um, Jesus says, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Unless you're born again, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. What that really means is you receive the Spirit of God, and he resurrects your empty soul, and he fills you with his love. In 1976, at the Jesus People Movement of California. They just made a movie about this. Chuck Smith's church in California. Donna Hill was born again and got baptized. But this time it was not 
religion. It was not an empty ritual. It was a true relationship with God. God became her father. And, and although he adopted her when she was three, now God adopted her a second time when she was 28. God became her father. She stopped her drinking and smoking. She found joy. She enrolled in Monterey Community College, resumed and eventually graduated with an associate in arts. And she returned to North Tonawanda. And John Hale faithfully followed her back to North Tonawanda. He was persistent. He must have really loved this woman. But she said, I've learned something coming to Christ, and that is, we're not going to live together unless you marry me insisted on marriage, and they got married in 1980. John and Donna were married 32 years and did not have other children. John Hale passed away of a liver disease in 2012. Now, in 2012, Donna was a widow, again with no husband. But Jesus was her husband, and she was not alone she prayed for me those 10 years after she got saved, from 76 to 86. Now, here I am, a young, rebellious kid going to the Air Force Academy, drinking and cursing and uh, engaged in all kinds of immorality. But it, she prayed for me those 10 years to receive Christ. And then she says something happened in her prayer life. She stopped praying for me to come to Christ after 10 years. Instead, she just prayed that I would have peace and blessing and success because she knew something happened in 90, 1986. That was the year I was born again. I came to Christ at a Pentecostal Bible study at the Air Force Academy when I invited Jesus Christ to come and rule my heart. I remember getting on my knees and praying, God, I don't want to be my own boss anymore. Jesus, I want you to be the boss of my life. It was 13 December 1986 when God filled me with love not an empty religion or a religious ritual, but true love for God. God adopted me a second time, not just when I was three, but now when I was 18. God became my father again. I stopped drinking, cussing, stopped all my immorality, and I actually became a missionary for short-term missions. I ended up meeting my wife in YWAM, Youth with a Mission, We got married. I returned and graduated from the Air Force Academy. Uh, I eventually attended seminary. I became a chaplain in the Navy. I took a stand for Christ. When the government said in 2006, you're not allowed to pray in Jesus' name, chaplain. You can pray to God. You can say amen. But if you pray in Jesus' name, you can be punished. I did that anyway, and I lost my career. But a miracle happened. 300,000 people petitioned Congress. Congress was forced by the public to change the law. The Navy was forced to repent, and now they can pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But I lost my career. I lost a million-dollar pension. Mary and I moved back to Colorado, and I ran for public office, and I won a seat as a legislator. I earned my Ph.D., I taught college, started a TV show. Now we care for a 1,000 orphans. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. I'm Dr. Chaps. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that famine would be a sign of the end. 
and we are now facing a famine of biblical proportions in one of the poorest states in India, where our charity has sponsored up to 259 orphans and children for many years. But now, there are thousands of people starving in the streets because of the unemployment there, and we've been helping widows, like the letter we received from Sanuri, who writes to us and says, I stay with my three children in the slum. I was washing plates in the hotel and earning bread for my family, paying house rent. Suddenly, I lost my income. After hotels were closed by the government, this was a shocking moment for me. Afterward, we could manage eating half a meal a day to manage a scanty ration for longer days. When there was no ration left for my family, I was quietly weeping outside with agony. An unknown fellow came and asked whether I am a widow. I said yes. He wrote my name and address and asked me to collect ration from your office. I got that ration with joyful tears. I strongly believe that God helps the helpless during troubled times through benevolent people. You know, the benevolent people she's talking about are you and your generosity when you give through our ministry is actually helping her to see God. Would you please donate today at 866-Obey-God? Again, our phone number, 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D, and help us supply a matching gift. We've already given up to $10,000 to supply 100,000 meals, and there's somebody out there who could double that gift with one stroke of a pen. Please donate through our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and designate your gift to India Relief. Please give today. Hi, I'm Dr. Chaps. You know, I've been spending time in prayer and the Word, and for years I've been teaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, how you can experience the power of God in your life for your own personal or prophetic ministry, just like they experienced in Acts chapter two in the Bible, when the apostles were all gathered in the upper room and the power of God descended upon them and they began to speak with other tongues. You know now up to 800 million Christians worldwide have experienced the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's for today, it's for you. And you can have this, or at least the teaching about it when you visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. Click on the online bookstore at the top and you can get this new product for a suggested donation of $30. We'll mail it to you right away. Or you can call us at 866-Obey-God. Operators are standing by to pray with you or to order this powerful teaching series. Every mention in the New Testament of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We talk about the power gifts of the Holy Spirit. We talk about church history of speaking in tongues and great interviews with Lana Heitley and Charles Johnson. You need this product. It'll energize you. Call us right now at 866-Obey-God. For a suggested donation of $30, you get this new DVD teaching on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Call us today at 866-Obey-God. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. So that was part one of a two-part eulogy. You can hear the rest of the story. It gets even better, more exciting, thrilling conclusion on tomorrow's show on this network. Or you can find them online when you visit PrayInJesusName.org. Click on the TV listings page, and then especially look for our Rumble archive. Rumble is like YouTube, but this will probably also be on YouTube. 
Just go online to PrayInJesusName.org, click on TV listings to hear the rest of the story. Or tune in again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best financial donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now, 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.